For those of you who don't normally attend here, I, uh, my name is Garth, I'm the pastor here and, uh, and I uh, share with everyone that over the next little while we're going to be, sorry, <laughs> normally have this done beforehand, there we go, that we're going to over the next uh, 17 weeks be looking at a particular book in the Bible. That book is called the book of Romans. Now that book is a letter and it's written by Paul to the church at the time that was in Rome. It's that simple. And, uh, and over the next little while we're going to be looking at this book because many commentators of the Bible say that it is the most important book in the New Testament because of many of the things that, uh, that Paul says in this book. Today we're going to be looking at the first 17 verses, but we'll look at them just in a couple of blocks, so I don't think you'll miss your coffee. You know, Paul was a great man, called of God to do great things. But, uh, you know, he was no different to you and me. No different whatsoever. He was a man of flesh and blood. He talks very freely in this book about the fact that he had all of those struggles with his human nature that you and I do. And he even says at one point, oh, this wretched man that I am, in in absolute frustration. You can hear it in the words. It almost jumps out at you. This wretched person that I am, how can I do the things that God wants me to do? I just can't. And you start to see there that this man, this author of quite a number of the books in the New Testament, a guy struggling just like you and I do. And one of the great things about this book of Romans is the fact that he shows us very clearly that it's not about you and me. It's about God. In the same way that that video clip at the end there, this man, just like you and me, struggling with all of life's issues, but God had to reveal him, it's not about him. Life is about God. You know, isn't it interesting that you know, it doesn't take long if you're watching telly, if you're reading a magazine, if you're reading the paper... All of those things, it doesn't take long for the advertising world to get to start you thinking that it is about you, isn't it Chris? Life is about you, you're this, you're that. Aren't you worthy of this? Shouldn't you be going on this holiday? Shouldn't you be doing this? And if you just use this cream, you'll look like Garth. (laughs) You know, isn't that what the advertising world's telling you? Isn't that what the, what the employment agencies are telling you? I was uh, chatting to someone the other day and um, they went to uni with a person a very short time ago and this person came out of uni and only applied for CEO positions. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Do you see? What had he learned that it was all about him? all about him but as we start to look at the scriptures as we start to look at Romans especially over the next 17 weeks what I want us to see for all of us 
is that it's not about us. It's about God. It's about God. Rome was an interesting place. It was uh, a, a, a place that was established about six centuries before Christ came. And one of the great things about the Roman Empire is, is they brought order to society. They brought safety in most cases to society. They brought infrastructure, amazing infrastructure to society. People could travel uh, more easily than they ever had before. People could travel more safely than they ever had before, relatively to today. I suppose we'd better say they didn't quite have the Hume Highway but, and, uh, so, and they didn't have airbags. But they did, they, it was greater than it had been up to this point. Paul also talks about the Greeks. You may have heard in that reading there, not only about the Romans but the Greeks. He talked about the Greeks and non-Greeks. What the Greeks had brought, and this is what Paul talks about in the, in the book, is culture. Whilst the Romans had brought infrastructure and order, the Greeks had brought culture and learning. So you had the Greeks, those who were, had learning, though the non-Greeks were those who didn't have, any, have the learning. The Greeks weren't necessarily people who came from Greece but those who had the learning. So we start to see a few of these things and a few patterns building from this book. So here was Rome, written to, this letter written to the people of Rome. Oh, the, Rome at the time was somewhere between 1 million and 4 million people. So it was a very, it was a very large, whether even at the bottom end, a million people, it's a very large place. But some think it could be as far as, as large as four million. And the church had been established there. Now Paul had never visited there. He had never at, that, at this stage, and he talks about it, he hadn't visited. So, so how did he know these people and how did it establish? Because remember, Paul had done a lot of missionary journeys and he had established a lot of churches. But the common thought is that, do you remember that um, we talked about this in Acts last year, that when Peter spoke in the courts those days and 3,000 people came to the Lord, quite a few of those people were from this district and many of them would have gone back and a church established at that stage. If we go right to the end of the book, we see a list of names that, uh, that Lee read out um, last week. It was just last week, wasn't it? It was, yes. Time's a bit like that, isn't it, Jane? The, um, last week he read a list of names of people to give my greeting to. In Paul's journeys, he met quite a few of these people in different districts, as we do. Some others who were in other areas moved to the area. So here was people that he knew, a church in Rome that was thriving. And here he wanted to write a letter to them to encourage them. That's simply what it was. But here's this beginning. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Right in the first stanza of this chapter, he establishes that this is about God. He was Paul, right? He was born into a privileged family. He was both a Jewish citizen and a Roman citizen. That brought, that brought great um, credence to the person when he travelled. It also helped him out at different times when he travelled. Here he was also having been educated under one of the greatest teachers of the time, Gamaliel. He doesn't say that either. Here he was 
not only having studied under Gamaliel but become a Pharisee and outshone the other Pharisees who were studying at the time. So he's at the top of the tree. So he could have said, this is who I am in establishing who he was. But what did he say? He could have also gone on to say that I have done all these various things and I am Paul who have established all of these churches. I am Paul who God has worked amazing miracles through. I am Paul who, 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 who. But, but what does he say? What is the word he used? Paul a servant or slave of Jesus Christ. He saw that when speaking to these other people and wanting to impart some very various things to him and wanting to encourage them, what was the point of lifting himself up? What was the point of, hey, look at me? Well, that's what the world does, doesn't it? When people come to, to speak on various things, it's look at who I am, Look at what I've done. Look at all my books that have sold millions. Look at how I sing. Look at all of my platinum records. It's all about who? Me. But with Paul, what he wanted to get through to people, that it's not about him. You see, the theme that we're going to be following over the next 17 weeks is this. Romans... God's blueprint for relationship. As we said this morning, God desires with all his heart to have a relationship with you, with me and for every person on this earth. God desires that. God the creator of the universe. God the most amazing being. And he wants to have a relationship with you and me. How awesome is that? And as we go through this book of Romans, we're going to see that. But we're going to touch on it this morning. So here he goes. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. That is, set apart, God asking him to go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that will listen. The gospel he promised, the good news that he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who as his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So here is his connection with them. That I who have been called by Jesus to be his servant to you who have been called to Jesus to be his servant. So if Paul was writing to us today, he wouldn't need to write any other words than what we've written there, than what is written there. I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ who have been called by him to have a relationship with him and that's been established through Jesus' death, burial and resurrection to you, all the people at Montmorency Community Church who have been called by Jesus 
and have been brought into relationship with him by the death, burial and resurrection. You see the connection that Paul has with them? He is not one and above them and he's really establishing this. He's not above them. Here he is as a fellow worker, a fellow servant, a fellow person who's been redeemed by Jesus' blood. Is that you today? Can, can you put your name down here as one of those people that he's talking to? To all the people in Rome, to all the people who are at Montmorency today who are loved by God and called to be his saints. I want to thank God for you, he goes on to say, because the works that you have been doing, your faith in God, the way that the Holy Spirit has been working out through you in all of the districts, everybody's hearing about it. Everybody knows about it because of what God is doing through you. Does he say that to us also? I wonder if he wrote to us today. I wonder if Paul wrote to us, is this the sort of thing that he'd say to the people at this church here? Hey, you know, I've been hearing all over the place all the works that you guys are doing. The way that you are teaching the scriptures, the way that you're working in your youth, your young adults, your kids club, your playgroups, the way that you are bringing justice and mercy in your community. Could he say that to us? I wonder if he could say the things to us that he's saying to the people of Rome. I'm hearing about all your good deeds everywhere I go. I long to see you, he said, so that I may impart to you some spiritual... Then Then he corrects himself. That is, that as we get together, we might be mutually encouraged by this Holy Spirit that works in both of us. That's what he's saying. That we might be mutually encouraged as we talk together about what God is doing in us. As I talk to, to, uh, to, to Pat and say, what's God been doing in your life this week? What's God been doing at work, at, uh, at this, at that, in your marriage? Where's God been doing stuff in your life? And then I share with him and the things that God's been doing in me. And you know, by the end of that sort of a conversation, doesn't it lift your heart? Doesn't it? And I think it's something that we've got to do more of, helping people to become accountable, but also encouraging people as we talk to them and and say, where's God been leading you this week? Mike, what has God done in your life this week that has just encouraged you? And you know what it does? It makes us look inside of ourselves and say, you know, maybe this week I... I was so busy that I wasn't aware of God doing anything in my life. Maybe I was so involved in all the things that I wanted to do that I actually never left a place this week for God to do the things that he wanted me to do. Maybe as I look back, he actually wanted me to do some stuff and I didn't do it. And as we keep those short accounts with God and as as I encourage Mike and he says back to me, Garth, Where's God been doing stuff with you this week? Then it makes me, and this is what he's saying, I want to come, I want to spend time with you and I I want to be mutually encouraged and to encourage you. And then he goes on and starts to talk about the gospel. 
I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks. Well, what does he mean by that? Is that like talking to Sam and Desi? (laughs) No. It's talking like before when we talked about Greeks and the terminology of some of these places. It's to those who have an education and to those who don't have an education. As simple as that. I'm obligated to every person in the world. I'm obligated to all the people that are living in your church at the moment because I've been called to be a servant of God and I want to preach the good news of God to every one of them because that's my calling. That's my calling and it's so deep within me that I long day by day to do it. And then he goes on to these verses here which are just key verses to the whole of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, because he called them first, then to the Gentile, which is you and me. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what does this mean? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to talk about because it's the establishment of faith within us. From the first to the last, the righteous will live by faith. Do you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply the good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth desiring for every one of us to have a relationship with him. We didn't bring him. We didn't do it. God did it. God looked at us and loved us. And he loved us so much that he poured out his love so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. A horrific, cruel death. And he watched as his son died to pay the price for sin for our selfishness desiring to do our own thing as I said at the beginning all about me all about me but it's not it is all about God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul was not ashamed of is that God sent his son to die to create that relationship for us. So why would Paul be ashamed of that? Why would Paul be ashamed of having a relationship with the God of the universe? Luke came today in front of all of you to say, I'm not ashamed and I want to show you. And he went through the waters of baptism and was able to stand up and say to you, I can no longer rely on myself. I have to rely on God. I have to rely on God because I can't do it. And if God, the most amazing person in the universe, wants a relationship with me, why would I ever want to say no? Think of one of the most important characters in the world for some of you. Just think for a moment. One of the most important characters in the world for you. Now, if they rang you up during the week and said, hey, 
really love to come to Melbourne and catch up for a coffee. Would you be hiding that fact? Let's say, let's say for Betty it's the Queen. Let's say for Betty it's the Queen. And the Queen rings up Betty and said, oh, oh Betty, you know, I'd like to pop over and, and you know that coffee shop at, uh, you know, Bandura there at uh, Sugar? How about we just meet there and, and have a coffee? Could you imagine Betty trying to keep her mouth closed about that? Trying to keep, imagine Betty trying to keep her mouth closed. But uh, <laughs> in the context, this. In the context, this. But she wouldn't, would she? She wouldn't. She couldn't. You know, Paul had been beaten. Paul had been stoned. Paul had been rescued out of a, of a city in a basket to make sure he wasn't killed. Paul had been ridiculed. Paul had been shipwrecked. Everything you could imagine, Paul had happened to him. And in the end, he was martyred because he wasn't ashamed of this gospel that God wanted a relationship with him and that God had to do everything to bring that relationship about. What's the most important thing for you in your life? Is it your car? Is it your house? Is it your job? Is it your grandkids? Is it what? You know, just think about it for the moment. The most important thing for you, one of the things that you talk about all the time, every chance you get to have a conversation with people, this seems to be the thing you talk about. Well, in the end, at the end of your life, how is that thing going to bring you eternal life? What is going to happen at the end of your life with your car, with your bank account, with your grandkids, with all your trips overseas, with your clothes, with your shoes? (laughs) Just think about it. With your job, all of those things that we hold sometimes so tightly, your bank account, where's your bank account going to go? Probably your kids who are going to just waste it. No, I'm serious. All of those things that we hold so tightly to, is that is what you're going to build your foundation on for your future? Is that, is that going to hold you in good stead when you come to God and he said, I did everything for you how, what was your response? And you say, oh yeah, but look, look at my bank account. Look how wise I've been with my money. But have you seen my car, God? What about the time I spent with my grandkids? <laughs> All of it's rubbish, isn't it? But what Paul is saying, Paul is saying here, I can hold on to nothing. I'm not ashamed at all of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
because that, that is my eternal security. That is my salvation for when I meet God himself. And he'll be able to look at me and what's he going to see? His son. His son. And I know that I can't live a perfect life. And I know that I do wrong. But my faith is on the fact that God wants to live out through me. My foundation is on the fact that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to bring the forgiveness for my sin. And I have faith that he, he will look at me and see all the work done by his son. Can you say that today? Can you say that today? Because that is what Luke said. And in obedience, he told us all about it by the symbol of baptism. Let's pray. Father, today, this world constantly tells us that it's all about us. And we deserve this new home, we deserve this new house, we deserve the investment accounts, we deserve, we deserve, we deserve. But the reality is, Father, you know what we deserve and it's not all these things. But you have given to us something that we didn't deserve, something far greater than we could ever have imagined. You've given us the chance to have a relationship with you. You've given us salvation. You've taken our punishment and put it on Christ. And you've done it all for free and all you ask is for us to come to you and ask for it and to accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Lord and to allow you to fill us with your Holy Spirit and take control of our lives and for us to be able to say like Paul today, a servant of Jesus Christ. In that today, Father, I thank you. I thank you so much. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. If you've got any questions about this book, please don't hesitate to ask and please stay, come through and have a cup of, a cup of with us. Thank you.